Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. This is March 1st. This is my favorite month of the year. And, <laughs> and this month of March 2023, we are going to... God gave me that word the other day I sent out about unity, and I wanted to expand your definition a little bit. You know, kingdom style, it's kind of like home style, cream style corn. The kingdom has a style, and the enemy wants you to be all shut down and not into the kingdom style. Wants you to act like you don't need it. You know, there's people in this room right now that God has a prophetic word for that can't be released because you don't want it. You know, the one thing about the prophetic is that it is God's heart over a situation. But if I don't receive it and believe it, it just lays dormant for as long as I just leave it over there on that dusty old shelf of mine as I accumulate all kinds of other opinions. You know, the Bible talks about why are you stuck between two opinions? And we're stuck because we have belief in other opinions. And, you know, I personally think it's dangerous to use God language on our own stuff. Maybe that makes you a little bit scared. But it's dangerous when you know the truth. Now, see, the, the Bible is really clear. If you don't know the truth, you're not even accountable for the truth. Isn't that weird? But, but see, even if I stick my head in the sand not to want to know truth, I'm still accountable for that. Because what does truth do? What does truth do? Truth sets you free, but love keeps you. And so... Part of Jesus' heart, I think Lynn touched on when she preached, was about unity. And you are going to have to die to unify. And some of y'all in this room, you're not really into dying. You're into your own way. And when God comes to say, you know, I've got this amazing plan, and you reject it, then you get to do, uh, Cece has her shirt on about plans right there, I see it. And so sometimes we need to really hone in on a focus for a reason. God does nothing randomly. Did you bring that popcorn for me last night? I mean, like, was that last night's popcorn? <laughs> God does nothing randomly. And so when he speaks a word and he creates a focus, it's for a reason you cannot see yet. You know, I propose to you that whatever you fasted or didn't fast in February is, is kind of like a launching, it's kind of like a diving board into the more. And... You know, in God, there's no condemnation. So if you didn't participate in the fast, then think about what the fast was about and think about 
re tonight realigning repenting first and then realigning your heart with why god even said that you know when we do what he says we reap what he says what his i mean the promise you can't see yet you know and so we have to obey it's not just a buzzword i i know it's hard to imagine this but if you don't obey god you're obeying something and what we do is, is we reconfigure what God really said to fit into a mold of what I want. And what unity does, when you really learn what unity means, it presses you through and scrapes off all the stuff that won't actually experience everything God has. And so I, I looked up the word unity today and i in the um strong's strong dictionary it's a biblical dictionary i should teach a class on how to study the bible but you know in march i'm going to teach a personality class just because it's it's a fan favorite so cc said we needed to change the name of our fourth monday night training classes to discipleship classes so in march i'm going to teach about uh, uh personalities which will help you because it's really part of when we have um, misappropriate definitions, we can't use those definitions and do kingdom ways. So let's look at, can you do number two? Unity really means this, that you're in opposition to division. See, everything in the kingdom is about being on the offensive. Instead of saying, oh, well, gosh, man, that person's so hard to unify with because we don't agree. I have a proposition for you, small group leaders, that go and learn what the difference between agreement and unity is. You know, let's, let's turn to John 17. So this month we're going to be focusing on John 17. And again... I know this is going to be really hard for some of y'all, but I invite you to read this chapter every day. Yes. I mean, let's just freak out a little bit and memorize some of it. Yes. Would anybody take the challenge to memorize the entire chapter of John 17? Amazing. Look at y'all. Do it. It'll change your life. So Jesus is coming to the end of his life in John 17. You know, I talked the other day about my dad is coming to the end of his life. Remember what I said? He said, I was angry for 65 years. Go and tell my story, basically. When Jesus, when someone's coming to the end of their life, what do you think they're doing? Okay, now think about what Jesus is probably doing. It's two different things. Jesus is leaving a blessing. He's leaving a legacy. And listen to this. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Well, I don't know yet if I'm going to or not. It says this is what Jesus prayed. I'm, in the, I'm going to read it in the Passion. Although it's really good in the voice. And it's good in the Amplified. That's the three versions I have up here. The message is probably good too. It'll make you chuckle a little bit. This is what Jesus prayed. He looked up into heaven and he said, Father, the time has come. 
unveil the glorious splendor of your Son. So that I will magnify your glory. Now that sounds like funny, that's funny wording, isn't it? Unveil the, what's the glorious splendor of Jesus? Y'all may have to do some study work here on John 17, I see. I'm not going to give you all the answers because we're going to be doing this all month. We're going to be here all month right here. This is home base right here, baby. I'm just going to give you two answers tonight out of John 17. He said, you have, go find out what magnify your glory means. Okay, verse 2. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Another as you see, I emphasize it for you to given to me. Eternal life, verse 3, means to know and experience you as the only true God. I maybe mentioned that on Sunday. That when you get the right things in the right order, when you get God in the right place, God's a God of order. Otherwise, he would have, he would have just made all the and all the animals, they would all drown. You see how cool he is? He really, he's got this thing down. He's a pretty good, he's pretty good at being God, right? So what did he do? He separated the waters from the sea, right? From the land, from the water, right? So that what? So the things that would drown wouldn't be in the water, right? Are you with me? Otherwise, do you, do you see how cool? I mean, that just right there shows you how cool he is. And then he had to create the animals because he had to give Adam an assignment. So he had, are you, so see, that's you. It's not animal naming time. I, pro, I propose to you this generation, it's identity time. And see, the enemy's always a counterfeit. That's why he's making such a big deal about people losing their identity and gender. Because it's a counterfeit for what God's actually doing. He's Joel toing you. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And when his spirit is on all flesh, they automatically know who they are. When the demonic is on all flesh, they absolutely have no idea who they are. That just is it's a really clear example of what we need to focus on. Well, thank you, Gwen. Gwen said that was really, really, really good. Okay, I'm going home because that was enough. Gwen got saved right here in the service. <laughs> Unstoppable right here. Eternal life means to know and experience. Have I read that yet? Did I already read that? Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you sent. Kind of talking in third person there. I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything. Turn to your neighbor. Say, Jesus did everything that Papa said, and so can you. Just look at them again because they didn't believe you. Say, quit believing a lie. You are meant to do everything you're meant to do. So my father, 
Restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. So that answers the question, where was Jesus when the Holy Spirit was going, let it be? He was hanging out right there, baby. Right? And it tells you that that's where Jesus came from. I mean, we don't need a theological lesson tonight. Okay? He was up there with you were too. And so then in that moment in time, in the, in the line of the timeline of all life, God picked right now to drop you on it, to go boing on the thread of time right now for a reason. And so just like Jesus, you're going to return back to face to face one time. Remember, Jesus is praying this, right? And I love this. It says, Father, I'm going to talk about this verse right here. Father, I have manifested who you really are, and I have revealed you to men and women, to the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours, and you gave them to me. So whose were they? You know he's talking to you, right? God gave you to Jesus. Why? Why does the triune union need all this exchange stuff going on? Why? I said it on Sunday. Because there's an impact of God in his three-dimensional nature. And if I don't realize that I have got to have those three-dimensional beings impacting me on a daily basis, God's got every base covered. God wants you to live in perfect peace and harmony. God wants you to live John 10.10. I've come. So so in that verse, I've I've come to give you this life in abundance. And he also said, remember in the verse before, I think Shudi said it, When were we here last? Monday? What is today? (laughs) Were we here last night? Yes, I was here last night too. That's why I can't know what day it is. I've been here all week. See, I went on a real rabbit trail right there. Yes. So he told us in the verse before what the enemy was about. See, do you know that, that God didn't spend a lot of time in the Word telling us all about he was just like, he came to do this. He's an idiot. Yes. Yes. You know, he's still using the old rusty tools he used to have, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. He probably hadn't shined them up in a while. Right? Has anybody ever played a, a horned instrument with a reed? You got you to gotta moisten up that reed, don't you? Otherwise, it sounds like a squeaky seal. See, really, a lot of y'all, your instruments, you're a reed instrument, and you're just a little dry. You know? They were yours, and you gave them to me. Isn't that a cool verse? In the commentary, it says that you gave them to me out of the world. And so this is who he's praying for. They fastened your word. Who's the word? 
Jesus firmly to their hearts. How do you fasten something to your heart? Think about how your mind works. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many know that they're a little bit negative thinkers by nature? You know, I've done this little study in our little group here about those who wake up feeling a little down or a little blue, right? And I've said something about your spiritual gifts when that, see, the spiritual gift within us is always active. It's my translation of it that trips me up. And see, that's why we're talking about unify, because if you become in opposition to division, then that would be the priority that you live life from, right? And so Jesus is trying, in this chapter, he's trying to demonstrate how to set your priorities right. So he's telling, I'm praying over these people because they are the ones that fastened. I mean, even in a tiny room like this, there was just going to be some people that are just hungry for the word, hungry to know Jesus, hungry to know truth, hungry to read that prophetic word that somebody wrote today that when you were just home not breathing good someone's writing that word for you and then some of you will be like you'll never read it again remember what i said sunday it's the gas in the car remember do i need to give that again right so so your your body your spirit man needs this fuel just like your car your natural car and so when when you receive counsel or wise words and you do nothing with them when you receive the word of god you receive seed form and you do nothing with it it doesn't have a chance to expand so verse 7 he says and now at last they know that everything i have is a gift from you Oh, another good verse for you. And the very words you gave to me to speak, I have passed to them. They have received your words and carry them in their hearts. And they're convinced that I have come from your presence. And they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for these people, these disciples. You know whether you're a disciple or not. You know whether you're carrying the heart of God. You know whether you're completely surrendered. You know whether you're independent. You know whether or not that word I wrote the other day, you know whether you're using those beautiful buzzwords of the world and of religion to justify what we do. Everybody in here knows where they are at. It's not a secret. But interesting what Jesus said. He said, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world. This prayer, Jesus was just praying for those people. Now, they're sitting here listening to him. You know, the chosen kind of gives us a good example about human nature, doesn't it? What were they worried about? Who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the best? Who's going to jockey? Who gets to sit beside Jesus? Have you gone out to eat? And... We used to all go out to eat as a tribe. And then that was, you know, a 12-hour thing at the end of another 12-hour thing. And 
People would get offended by who they got to sit by. So, so let, me, let me give you the commentary. How could it be that Jesus loved the world and gave himself for the sins of the world, yet emphasized that he was praying for his disciples and not praying for the world? Jesus' coming into the world brought life to those who believe and judgment to those who do not. It is still going on today. When Jesus presents truth and you believe, you get the function of the kingdom. You're in kingdom style. When you reject and do not believe, you get the functions of the demonic. Fear and apprehension and torment and destruction. But listen to this. The implication is that the key to reaching the world. How many in here really want to reach the world? The key to reaching the world is life, the life, maturity, unity, and love of the disciples. This does not mean that Jesus didn't love the world, but the world will only be reached when the disciples come into the fullness of Christ and in the unity of faith. This is what consumed the heart of Jesus as he prayed for them before he went to the cross. So why is Jesus demonstrating this at the end of his life? He's demonstrating that the things that achieve why he actually came to the world. Why did he come? It says he came to seek and to save what? What's lost? What's lost? People who don't know who they are. People who don't know why what happened to them happened to them. You know, you, can, you don't spend 35 years hearing people's stories about what hurt people do to hurt people and it not change you. See, it changed, it changed me. It changed me to say, I have got to somehow find a way to train enough people to let go of what happened to them. Let go not only of what the enemy did, but to understand why the enemy did it. He's dumb, but he's strategic. All he can do is torment you in the place where you have the most power. And if he's good enough and you believe him enough, You'll change a lot of things on your search. Those same doors you walk through, you're going to walk right back through them. You know, and I think, let me, let me bump down for sake of time, down to verse 21. He's still praying, okay? This whole chapter is Jesus praying. It's all in red. You ready? I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and the Father, you, you and I, Father, are joined as one together. 
I pray for them to become one with us. How many times do you say one in this one verse? So that the world will recognize that you sent me. Why do you want to unify? So the world will recognize Jesus was sent to what? Seek and save that which was lost. Are you lost anymore? No. Do you, how do you know? How do you know you're not lost anymore? How do you know you got found? And see, we all have a story about how he found us. You had no part in finding you. All you were was lost. Some of you dug big holes and you were in them. Called a pit. I remember where I was. I remember where I was. I was so stuck in religion. It took me a year to extract religion out of my soul because my soul had a reaction. It was comfortable with religion. Some of y'all in this room right now are still in religion. And you're comfortable with religion, so you have to create a whole bunch of rules and regulations to keep you in the narrow road. And it's just not his way. You can't read enough. You can't pray enough. See, everything for God is about relationship. Everything for God is about, I see your pain. I see where mankind done you wrong. Now, do you want to write another done you wrong song? Or do you want me to come and pluck you out and set you on a highway that you did not pay for and you did not pave? And see, I'm talking to people tonight that actually want to unify. And I propose you don't know how. Because I propose that you thought unity was agreement. Oh, man, oh, oh, Cheryl likes it. And see, every place that I have a wrong definition about God and I try to live by it, it will not pan out and bear fruit. And if I'm not careful, I'll blame God for my personal misrepresentation and misdefinitions of Him. And I'll, I will have built a whole structure called a life. And when it doesn't turn out, it doesn't, well, God, I thought you said this. See, people do this to me all the time. I'll meet with them. I'm telling y'all. I'll meet with them, and they'll give me their bright idea, and I'll try to shape it, and they'll only take the chunk I slopped off, and they'll go do something with it. And I'll be like, well, that's really not what I said. You just took some portion of your own thing. Some of y'all in here have just done this recently. And you're trying to build a thing out of your own thing. And, and then you try to say, well, thanks for telling me. I didn't tell you that. 
And think about God. He's a pretty good, he's pretty good at being God. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that you have some wrong definitions of God? No? And do you believe that when God comes to give you a new definition, you tend to be resistant? Why? Because you think you know. In fact, you probably have some data to back up. See, when, whenever I started listening to Bill Johnson 25 years ago, and the first thing he said that offended me was that all sickness is of the devil. My mind immediately went to 30 years of my life where I had said, well, God might be using that sickness to train you. And I thought of all the people I'd said that to. And I thought, crap, Ola. <laughs> What in tarnation? My soul was like, hey, if you attach to that, heresy. If I attach to that, see, my first inclination was, oh my gosh, me. Now I see how stupid that was. Oh my gosh, me, nothing. Oh my gosh, I'm I am misrepresenting God. Yeah. And then and then Bill went on to say, why would God send his son and crucify him in the plan to redeem and heal and restore and then just make people sick? So it gives Jesus something to do. And so again I went <laughs> How many whoa, I couldn't even think. Everything <laughs> everything in me Had a reaction. Everything. It took me a long time. I, I pulled a bro. I writhed around. In my beautiful bed from Ikea. I remember it well with my three colored green polka dot duvet. Going, dear Lord Jesus, I am so, so sorry. And see, I was sorry long enough for it to change me. And I said, you better get yourself up. You better get your butt out of this bed. And you better go tell the truth. And so I have never again. Now, let me tell you, there's still that muscle. She's about this big now. She just flaps her along behind me back here. When someone has something, and that thing tries to go, I wonder what they've done. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It didn't just go away, poof. Man, I wanted to. But it tensifies me all the time. Uh, all the time is putting tension, tension, tension. And see, the longer you live in false teaching, the harder it is. I have, I have this really cool slide I made. It's number six. So, you know, this is the year of man. Now, listen. I'm going to go here. Look, this, this is the 120. I made it this color on purpose. Look, when you allow yourself to be in unity, six sides of you 
are being pushed on at the same time. Six sides of you, the number six. Six sides of you. That's why it feels so complex. Mendel and I were just talking today. We had this huge breakthrough, me and the worship team. Something's been going on around here you don't know for a whole year. And it was creating some tension. But we had breakthrough tonight at 547. No, wait, 447. But the breakthrough really happened last night. But the fulfillment of it, the ability to see it, didn't happen until tonight. That's what tension does. And see, if I don't unify, this is what a lot of us do. Can I be, can I be, Moo, you don't care if I talk straight. Moo needs it straight because she can't hear it any other way. If I don't have all six sides working at one time, I'm free-flowing over here, man. Oh, then I get a hit pointer. Because nobody was there pushing on that side. Iron sharpens iron. What are you? Iron. What are all these sides? Iron. Now, now, what does the Bible say about this whole process? When he has refined, tried, whatever word you want to use there, I will come forth as a lumpy mess. Gold. Well, he used something that trans, think about it, for 3,000 years, we still want some gold. That verse translated, didn't it? Come on. If I said tonight, if you will 120 for two years, I'll give you some gold bullion. If I told you that, you would have an incentive. But he said it. He said it. If I was to say it, I would just be mimicking him. And so I asked Cece, she has a cool little thing. She's going to tell you about it too. I want to realize that I am fulfilling Jesus's heart's desire that when I unify, I mature. And when I'm a mature bride, I'm spotless without wrinkle. The people will come in droves to have what I have. I won't have to be inviting them. They'll walk. My shadow will heal them. Do you want to do the greater things? I mean, who in here really wants to do the greater things? Then I'm telling you, this tension of unifying, it's not an option. Can I just be so bold to say that you're going to be left behind, even in this little bitty baby tribe, when you, when you call me tomorrow and say, I don't know how to do that. Don't call me and say that tomorrow. I might... Come over. <laughs> Listen, I gave you the way to do it. Read John 17. Read John 17. Memorize John 17. Why? Because the nugget for life is in there. If you don't ingest the word, he wasn't talking about you. 
It, God has said it. This is the year of man. This is your year. This is your year. This is your year. This is your real. You can do it now or you can do it some other time. But he is, he was Joel 2 in this right now. Right now in this room, that was what he was doing. Everybody I asked had a question, saw an answer. I didn't leave anyone till I felt the peace of God reside on them. I can't keep that on you. Don't call me and have me come over and lay hands on you. That's not how, that's not how you maintain it. You know, listen, I'm, I'm teaching this class on Saturday. Lord, this is a busy week for me. No wonder I'm tired. Because we're having the healing rooms on Tuesday. And I told the team that is doing the healing pods, is what I'm calling them. Judy called them the prayer medics. I'm going to make shirts. Me and Haley are going to make shirts. Come on. That I want it done a specific way. Because why? Have you done any scientific stuff? you got to have a... Go ahead and control. A baseline. you got to have a standard. And we work from that. See, all of this that I'm talking about this month, oh my gosh, it could be so amazing for you. It could actually cause all of your decisions to turn out amazing. But listen, tension is just tension is just tension. I'm sorry. It just is. The tension is tension because something in my soul resides and it doesn't want to come out. Come on, Mendel. I left you on a cliffhanger, didn't I? It's a nice shirt you got on there. Thanks. A good friend of mine bought it for me. That'd be me. That would be her. Yeah. Um, I had a, as Tisa mentioned, we had a, a little breakthrough last night. And um, as soon as we had the breakthrough, I started to get this download of some extra little tidbits to highlight on the whole honeycomb hexagon thing. And it goes along with this unity topic um, that Tisa was talking about today. Um, and, you know, first of all, I've, it occurred to me, I wanted to remind us that the Bible says that God's word doesn't return void. And so Jesus prayed that prayer for his disciples, and that prayer will not return void. So that prayer is still being prayed over all of us who would count ourselves as disciples and it will be done. It will not return void. And so the, the power of the promise behind it and his faithfulness, like we sang about today, he's steadfast and he's faithful. He still stands by his word today for all of us. It doesn't change just because the times change. And so um, I, I think it was it's awesome to hear. I've never seen that verse the way that Tisa shared it today, that, that Jesus was so... Um, prioritized and cared so much about unity among the disciples. And so if Jesus cared about unity for the disciples, then shouldn't we care about unity for the disciples? But beyond just caring about ourselves being unified, shouldn't we care about each other being unified? And so um, then can you put that other slide up there for me? I wanted to show us the hexagon pattern again. I wish I had a little laser pointer. But if you recall from the word of the year, each 
hexagon is supposed to symbolize us, okay, a single life. And as Tisa mentioned in her slide, there were, you know, that means that surrounding one single cell, one hexagon, there's six hexagons on or all around you. So let's just say that single cell is you and you've got six friends all snugged up with you, right? Okay, so the 120 that we are talking about is the 120 degree angle that each one of these points gets pulled into by surface tension. So that means you've got six areas, six angles within a single hexagon. So there's six separate things in each of us that I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying he wants to highlight for us this year. There's six separate areas that he's pulling into the 120. And I had this, I personally experienced this last night. Do you guys see the angles? Do you see there's six 120 degree angles there? So that means that the issues in your life that he's pulling on and trying to get to that 120 are actually affected by all of the other five. Because every corner, every little dot of your hexagon is affected by all the other dots, right? It's all trying to form. None of those will be perfectly 120 until they're all perfectly 120. And so I just want, I have, these are not necessarily all related little tidbits I'm going to share with you. But I realized last night this thing I've been struggling with, I've been so focused on trying to find the solution. And the Holy Spirit dropped it into my mind last night and showed me that the real solution was in a totally different area of my life. So I was so laser focused on the topic, like looking all, all around the topic, like, well, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, you know, just dancing all around it, thinking of every possible thing that we could do to impact that one thing. But really, he showed me that if I would adjust in this other unrelated to me, I thought it was unrelated, this other unrelated area of my life, it would actually relieve some of the tension in this other area that was across the hexagon. And so... Just saying, we want, just remember when you've got a problem, first of all, don't become so laser focused on the problem, the tension, that you aren't aware, that you stop paying attention to the rest of your health, the rest of your life, your soul, your relationships, because the answer could be there. Another reason why it's always smart to go to the Holy Spirit and say, what do you want me to see? Now, if you're like me, I have a tendency, I'm just being vulnerable and being honest here, but... I have a tendency that if I'm focused on one thing and I ask the Holy Spirit for an answer and I hear something, and I'm like, That's, that has nothing to do with this, then I'll throw it out. And I just missed it. It's like Tisa just said. And we don't even connect the dots until later on because in his mercy, he'll bring it back around, right? So just to say, keep that in mind. That's going on. It's going around. Your relief of tension and your adjustment area might come in a separate area of your life. And also remember, there's more than one thing in your life that he's trying to pull into 120. And I think that by the end of this year, we may be able to all look back and say that there were six different things, six major areas of our life that he pulled into that 120. And so um, another Another point that I wanted to share was that I recognized how important it is for us to be, um, to care, as I said, about each other. You know, I think we kind of have that tendency that if I could get me good, then I could survive you not being good. 
You know, if I can be good and I could tolerate you doing your thing, whatever you're doing, you know, that we have such a culture of independence. But as Tisa said, I love that phrase, phraseology of the kingdom style. We're talking about kingdom style unity here. And so if I could, I would take a hold of one of these lines back here. I would, if I took a hold of this and pulled on it, it would change this hexagon and this hexagon and this hexagon. And so if I'm out of balance in this 120 area here, this angle, then it's actually affecting this one and this one and probably the others too, but probably all six of your friends, right? <laughs> it's affecting because this is not an independent line. This is a shared line. So if this comes in, this one's deformed and this one's deformed. You know what I'm saying? And so one, we've, we really want to care on a deeper level about what's going on with our community, with the people in our lives, and really be praying for them, praying for them to see the Holy Spirit solutions and, and all of that. And one practical example I wanted to give, um, we talk a lot about um, the over-responsibles and the under-responsibles. Most of us can fall into one category where we tend to be way too over-responsible, you know, doing things that aren't even in our yard that we don't have to be doing. And then there's other of us, others of us that struggle just to do their own responsibilities. So we've got over and under-responsible. Well, if you have an over and an under-responsible paired up next to each other, which we normally do, Right. So if one, this hexagon is your, your over-responsible and this is your under-responsible, then that means this line is getting pulled in, like I said, because they're being kind of under-responsible. So what's that going to do? It's going to pull me, pull this one over here into over-responsibility. So in other words, when you're in community and relationship with someone who's being under-responsible, even if I know that an area for me that God's working on is me not operating in over-responsibility, I'm set up because of my relationship with you to, it draws me, it pulls me, it tempts me to get into over-responsibility. Yeah. Oh, you seeing that? Yes. Likewise, if I operate in over-responsibility and do a bunch of stuff that's in your yard that's really yours to do, I set you up to be under-responsible. I set you up to sit back and just say, well, somebody else will do it. I don't have to. And so we are dramatically affecting each other in more ways than we know. And so I think that a lot of us, when a lot of us know a lot of our areas, our common areas, but we think that we're the only one working on them. You know, we think we're, it's really okay to sit at home and lay in bed and go over it and over it and it all be an internal work in our own minds, you know, and wrestling around. But there's really somebody else you're in relationship with that is being affected. And they, they may be doing a good job at resisting, you know, that pull. But we, I think if we really cared, as we see that Jesus did for his disciples about this un, the topic of unity, that we would be praying even more for each other in our areas of to help them come in. I mean, that means you help a friend with their thing. It's going to automatically relieve you of some of your thing. You know, it's going to help everybody come into unity. 
And so I think the last thing I was going to share is this other um, important thing that, that came to our attention last night when we were talking. When um, I wrote the word on surface tension, I remembered having a little problem. And I was like, God, are you really saying that all the tension in our life is you? Because I have often called the tension, you know, bad. There's good and there's bad. God does all the good stuff and then the devil does all the bad stuff. And so I called, I put tension in the bad category. But he was showing me, no, I'm actually in the tension, right? I'm in the surface tension of life. That's what, that's what naturally pulls us into that 120 degree angle. And so I, I knew I could believe what he was saying and, and I could see that. And I, I've heard a, an important delineation, I think, for us that I want us all to keep in mind. God works in tension, but if we don't process tension well with him, it can turn into anxiety, Anxiety is not from God. It's from fear. And fear is from the devil. Okay? Like she said about sickness, if we don't process our tension well, it can develop in our physical bodies into sickness. And sickness is not from God. Tension might be something God's using in your life. But he has a way that he's provided for us to process tension where it's meant for our good. It's meant for shaping but if we're getting, if we go too far with not handling our tension well or trying to ignore it, which is another way of handling it, right, then it can turn into something that is hijacked by the enemy and becomes a, uh, something that he can torment with. And so I think that's important for, for, you, for all of us, whether you're, on, whether you're talking about yourself or you're talking to one of your community members, you know, somebody one of your six friends around you, that we don't want to, I think it's important for us to recognize where somebody is. And we might need to break that down and say, look, you know what, this is the enemy. I see how the enemy's taking this tension and, and hijacking it and trying to torment with you with, torment you with it. And so I want to partner with you to break that off, to, to speak truth over that, get the person back into the freedom of just the tension that God is wanting to work through. And so I think we can unintentionally do damage if we tell someone who is really um, being tormented, is really in extreme pain, in extreme sickness, and we end up doing kind of what Tisa talked about. Well, God's using that, okay? And we, we cross over into something that doesn't represent God's heart well. And we want to always represent God's heart well, okay? So we got to recognize tension is from God, sickness, anything that goes over into fear or panic or striving or anything. We're getting out, out of God's process when we do that. And so I felt like that was an important delineation for us because we want to be, to make sure we are processing through it and telling ourselves the truth about God too. You know, it, you can generate a lot of resentment for God if you are operating in intense fear and in sickness and all this stuff and trying to believe that, it's, that that's God. And you will develop a resentment towards God, which can turn into a runaway train in itself. And the enemy would love nothing more for us to do that. So that's an important key, I think, that we want to keep in mind as we partner with the prayer that Jesus prayed about praying for. Us all as in to be in unity. All right. Awesome. Thank you for letting me share that. 
So, Papa, we just say thank you. We thank you for your design. We thank you that you had this very moment in our lives in mind when you designed humanity the way that you did. When you made us in this hexagon, honeycomb, latticework type of thing, when you designed us to be this, these three-part beings and all of this was intentional by you and you knew exactly where we would be in this moment. You knew the struggles we would have right now. You knew the pain we would be in. You knew the tension that we would be in, the moments that you would use to shape us, and that you knew that you had provided more than enough for us to process through it well. You knew that you provided more than enough for our community to move into kingdom-style unity in this, through this particular tension so we just say thank you, thank you, Papa, that your word does not return void. I thank you for the prayer that is still echoing throughout all time that Jesus prayed. While on earth, in this atmosphere, he breathed those words to pray over his disciples, which is extended to, to those of us that have made him Lord and King. And so I thank you that those, that prayer is still being prayed and spoken over us right now. And so I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would move in each person's heart, that you would cause there to be a connect between their faith and this very topic tonight, and that you would catapult us into greater walks of unity, greater processing of tension, all the greater things. And so we thank you tonight. I thank you for this message. We thank you for your ways. And we say we trust you and we call you faithful. We call you beautiful. You are the steady hand that is always reaching out with grace to help us through every single moment. So thank you for inviting us into kingdom style unity. We say yes, 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 and amen to you in Jesus's mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay